we've been talking about the pillars of gospel community, hospitality, and evangelism as markers of Christ the King Church in Newton. For eight years, each fall, we have returned to these. And the question that I've posed this year is, how do these focuses, or foci if I'm technical, but that sounds so weird even if it's right, um, how do they focus us on these two commandments, loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. We want to make sure that we look at each other and honestly say we take God seriously, that on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, and that when Jesus speaks, he doesn't just speak so that we can agree, but he speaks so that we can obey. And so if this focus on gospel, community, hospitality, and evangelism doesn't help us to obey, we, we should probably focus on something else as a church. But I want to demonstrate today how Jesus uses the concept of hospitality, technically loving the stranger in his definition of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. You might be here today and you say, look, I'm not a Christian and I'm interested in looking at the church, you know, kind of wondering what is this church all about? And finally a church that's going to talk about love because that's what I want to talk about too. All you need is love, right? The anthem from the 60s in the early 70s. All you need is love. Just, just talk about love. I want to talk about that. Well, the good news is, is that Jesus wants to talk about that too. You're right. You're right in, in that deep heart desire that the church would talk about love again. But there's more to it than that that you'll see as Jesus addresses the lawyer. And my hope is that you'll see Jesus address us as well. For those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, this is the place where we come to realize that when he calls us to welcome the stranger, and when he says it's going to be according to our welcome of the stranger, that judgment's going to happen, Matthew 25, if you want to look at it, we take seriously what this idea of loving the stranger or hospitality looks like. And here we see how hospitality uncovers our own hearts. And I want to show you how Jesus did it to the lawyer first. And I hope at the same time he will do it for you and for me. One of the commentators that I looked at this week said, it's really interesting, there are two conversations happening here. And they happen in the same pattern. See if you can find this pattern, okay? The first is the lawyer asks Jesus a question. Jesus then responds with his own question. The lawyer then answers Jesus' question, and only then does Jesus answer the lawyer's question. Those four things. And then it happens again. The lawyer asks another question. Jesus tells a parable in order to set up his question. And then the lawyer answers Jesus' question only to allow Jesus to then answer the lawyer's question. Mita knows that one of the books that I want to write is Questioning God. And by that title, I mean, don't worry, I'm not going to write a book. I know all of you are like, please don't write a book. I'm not going to write a book. Don't worry. It's just a, a desire of mine. And by that, I mean that unique to Christianity is a God who comes to you and questions you. Within the first three chapters of the Bible, God already makes himself out to be a questioning God. And from the beginning to the end, soup to nuts, as we like to say, that's what God's like because he pursues you with questions. And I want you to see that even now. 
All right, the story that we have before us, 869, the parable of Good Samaritan, we see the first four happening in these verses 25 through 28. And behold, a lawyer stood up to him to test him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Look, before you throw the lawyers under the bus, uh, this is indeed a lawyer. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not false. But this lawyer is much more like a theologian than a lawyer. Um, much more like somebody who ought to know who God is than a lawyer who's just worried about the laws of a nation. Because for a lawyer in the nation of Israel, the concern was the law of God. And so when he came to Jesus as a lawyer, he came to Jesus and we see that he came under false pretenses. We see that he came to test him. That's the first thing that we see. Maybe you're here today to test Christians and to go, I, I want to see if these Christians are what they're supposed to be. Fair enough. You won't be the first or the last. Just be forewarned. <laughs> Jesus loves to engage those who test him. And the lawyer comes to him and asks him the question, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? You see, the lawyer's question, now Jesus' question. Jesus draws the lawyer out. Instead of just answering his question, at which point we would have known even less about the lawyer than we know now, Rather, Jesus draws him out by asking him a question. You know the Word of God. You know the law. What is written there? How do you read it? What do you think? And the lawyer responds with the two great commandments, right? You think, well, maybe the lawyer heard Jesus say that at another point. Well, well maybe. But you know that Jesus only took those two great commandments from Deuteronomy and Leviticus, right? These two great commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, are Old Testament laws, incorporating all of the laws of the Old Testament in those two. And so the lawyer answers Jesus that way. The lawyer answered him in verse 27, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he, that is Jesus, said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. The lawyer asks a question. Jesus asks a question. The lawyer answers a question and Jesus answers a question. Ben came home from school um, this summer. And you know how we all catch phrases, right? And we would talk on the back porch, and I would say something uh, declarative, something definitive. And instead of saying, you are right, Ben would say, you're not wrong. <laughs> you know, and you're like, what, what am I supposed to say about that? You know, uh, it's something simple that had an answer, and the answer was given. And, and the response was, well, you're not wrong. And I remember just being jarred by that. I want you to hold on to that feeling because I think that's what the lawyer feels here. And we see it because of the first verse that enters into the second part of this story. And what does that first verse say there? But he, the lawyer, it says, desiring to justify himself. Something in what Jesus said when he said, you are correct, go and do these things and you'll live, shamed the lawyer in some way. The intonation, the dismissal, the 
the reality of saying you have read the letter of the law, but has it impacted you? Jesus heard the lawyer and he said, you're right, that's what it says, go and do them and you'll live. That statement, go and do it and you will live, is replete in the giving of the law. It's all over the law, in Leviticus, in Nehemiah, in, in Ezekiel. The promise that if you do the law, you will live. Remember, the lawyer's question is, what must I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus, in answering him, somehow, if I could say it, dismissed him, but not so much dismissed him as much as frustrated him. Because Jesus said to him, you're not wrong. Go and do it, and you'll live. But the lawyer felt the sting. The lawyer felt the sting, and he said to Jesus another question. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? We are asking the question, what does hospitality have to do with encouraging us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves? The lawyer asks a question, so what is Jesus going to do next? You know, Jesus is going to ask him a question. But before he asks him a question, he tells a story. When Jesus tells a story, you and I ought to pay attention. Because Jesus knows in whose image we are created, and he knows how we love a good story. And so he says, A man was going down from Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Jesus tells that story in order to ask the lawyer a question. What do you see in that story? Well, it's the beginning of what the church might call the bad news that is the response to the good news that you know we are called to love. You're right, that's good news. You, you know that you are called to love. But Jesus uncovers the lawyer's heart and in so doing uncovers ours. The lawyer asks a question, who is my neighbor? And what does that question intend to do? That question intends to, in some way, shape, or form, define the category of whom he is responsible to love, right? And, and hopefully that category is somehow limited by the definition of who is my neighbor, 
And Jesus hears his question. The guy goes, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He answers Jesus with the parables, or with the two commandments. Jesus says, you're right, do them and you'll live. And he seeks to justify himself. So he says, Who, who's my neighbor? In other words, you can't dismiss me like that. Who's my neighbor? Who am I really called to love? Tell me so that I know what to do to inherit eternal life. And instead of answering that question, Jesus tells him a story about a traveler. Now, children, if you were to watch this story, your parents would have stood in front of the television already because it was so violent that you would have nightmares tonight. And the violence left a man laying beside the road naked. As one person I listened to this week said, a piece of human meat with no signs of identity on them other than their humanity that was already flowing away from them, left to die beside the road. What is this man to everyone who comes to him but a stranger? This one laying on the road is a stranger. You see, when Jesus goes to answer, what does it mean to love my neighbor as myself? He goes straight to hospitality. Not like hospitality is part of it, but hospitality is the foundation of it. Because this individual is on the side of the road, and the one who sees this individual makes a decision about what to do with that individual without any knowledge of who that person is. Only a stranger. I thought about it. What if I saw John Henry with a flat tire? Robert Kraft, who needed a ride from the tee. Don't you think immediately you'd go, oh, love your neighbor, this is fantastic. But also in the back of your head, you're going to be like, season's tickets, at least for a little while, or at least one box, right? One time I'll get to go. And immediately our nature as human beings is, what do I get out of this? What can I get by loving? But you see what? Jesus does in demonstrating this guy is he strips our hearts and exposes them and exposes the heart of the lawyer because now there's a stranger without any knowledge of who they are and Jesus introduces the lawyer to three people he introduces the lawyer to a priest who is happening to pass by the priest sees him, and Jesus simply says he passes by on the other side of the road. Then he says the same about a Levite who happened to pass by. Now, a priest was one who served before God. A priest that was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, more than likely a priest who had served at the temple of God, was done with his service and was headed home. And one of the things was, if he saw a dead body beside the road and he actually went and touched it to determine if that body was dead and that body was dead, he'd have to return to Jerusalem for two more weeks of purification before he could go back home. You see, it would cost him a lot of money to love this guy, and that's if he's dead. <laughs> it's a whole lot more if the dude is actually alive. But, but if he's dead, it's going to cost him a lot. And already he's going, what's this cost me? And the priest goes, no, walk by on the other side. A Levite was a helper of the priest. 
So another one who performed service in the temple in Jerusalem. Another one who would have been impacted greatly by caring for this one. And immediately what we see in the nature of the priest and the Levite is the question of, at what cost to me is it going to bear to love this individual? And the question of hospitality begins to weigh heavy on our hearts. What is the cost? And you see, Jesus knew what he was doing with the lawyer. He didn't just choose hospitality because if you go back and you read Leviticus 19, it says that, yes, it's true, we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. But in Leviticus 19.34, it actually says if there's a sojourner that is among you, if there's a foreigner among you, you are to love the foreigner, the stranger, as yourself. And the only reason God gives is he simply says this, I'm the Lord your God. You see, Jesus is going after the lawyer. Because the lawyer would have known this. And then with the plunging of the knife, or, or, or could we say the stripping of the heart, the last time Jesus introduces us to the Samaritan. And what does he say about the Samaritan? But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He had compassion. What is that? The compassion here is a guttural response to what he saw beside the road. A guttural response to the one who was in need. A response that started here, not here. A response that maybe we would say started here, right? But here and here is the same in the way in which Jesus is speaking. But a response that comes from here. Most often in the Gospels, we see it when Jesus sees human beings in need. And we're told Christ had compassion on them. The crowd that was hungry. The, the sheep that had no shepherd, right? You, you remember those passages. And it says that Jesus had compassion. Well, that's the compassion that the Samaritan had. It started here. And it moved him. And what did the Samaritan do? He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He went immediately to care for him. To bind up his wounds is to hold one's bloody body. And with everything that you have to bring cleanliness, oil and wine, pouring it on him, caring for him, right? Immediately moving into action. And then it goes on from there. And it says, Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Loss of time. Loss of resources. Loss of his own plan. Look, as we would say, dude's day was shot. That day was shot. But that's not all. It goes on to say, and the next day he took out two denarii, two days wages. I don't know, what do you make a day? Divide the gross by 365, right? Um, what did this cost him? It cost him a lot of money. But the money that he paid, as this guy named D.A. Carson points out, is the money 
that he paid kept this man from slavery. Because he took out money and he gave it to the innkeeper and he said, look, this is for payment for this guy. And it also guarantees that when I come back, I'm going to pay everything else that it costs you to help this guy get better. That's what he says. That the Samaritan, the, the one that stopped, was the one who was moved, the one who went into action, the one who sacrificed a great amount and actually guaranteed that this beaten traveler, whom he did not know, would not become a slave. By some bill at some end that he would never be able to pay. Because remember, the guy might not be naked now, but all he has on him is oil, wine, and rags. <laughs> it's all he's got so far. The Samaritan responds. You see, there's a second thing that you've got to understand why Jesus used the Samaritan. The lawyer hated the Samaritan. In the law of God's people, the Samaritan was a half-breed. The Samaritan had some ancestry that would have been Assyrian and some ancestry that would have been impoverished Israelite. And, and, and the Samaritan would have been those who didn't worship God correctly. They didn't worship God in the right place. They, they were the ones who were lower than dogs to the true Israelite. The Israelite that followed the law of the day that meant that the Samaritan was lower than an animal. You see, Jesus is all about stranger here. He is all about emphasizing what's happening. And then he simply asks his question. Remember the Good Samaritan's question, well, who's my neighbor? Look at what Jesus asked here. Verse 36, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? to the man who fell among the robbers. Do you see what Jesus did? Jesus didn't limit what it means to love my neighbor as myself, which is the question that this lawyer asked him, who's my neighbor? Jesus gave the foundation to what it means to be neighborly. To love as a neighbor would love. And he gave the foundation of costly hospitality. Loving of stranger. And he did it in such a way that proved to the lawyer that he doesn't love strangers. Most commentators will look at the response of the lawyer. And the response of the lawyer is this in verse 37. Jesus said, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Couldn't even bring himself to Samaritan, right? Priest, Levite, Samaritan. It's obvious that Jesus gave these guys identities. But the lawyer didn't use the identity. But he said, the one who showed him mercy. Why is that good news? Why is there a turn there that is good for you and me? It's good news 
because we see someone who shows mercy. And we realize that Jesus is getting after the very first question that the man asked. What do I mean? Jesus has told this story about the Good Samaritan as he is on his way to the cross. Before he gets there, he actually talks about the end of days and he says that there'll be a separation one day and the means by which people will be separated is how they cared for the poor, how they clothed the naked, how they met the needy, and how they welcomed the stranger. And Jesus actually says, those of you who have done these things, come over here. And those folks, the righteous, say, when did we do those things? And Jesus said, when you did them to the least of these, you did them to me. Jesus identifies with the stranger. Jesus is the one who loves the stranger. This is not New Testament only. When God tells His people to love the stranger among them, He also says, for once you were a stranger in Egypt. And who loved you is what He said. Who identified with you? Who rescued you? He's not saying then the Egyptians knew that you were strangers. That's not what He's saying. He's saying, I identified with you. I called you mine. I rescued you. The Old Testament is all about how the people of God failed to love God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength and failed to love their neighbors as themselves. Idolatry, absolute abuse of each other, and abuse of the stranger. And what did God do? God moved them into Babylon and he said, when you're here, I want you to pray for the people who took you captive. I want you to love the stranger. It's who I am. Jesus doesn't say he's the good Samaritan. He doesn't say he is the ultimate good Samaritan. But one commentator that I read this week said, if he could be bold enough, he said, in context, Luke is pointing to Christ and saying he's the one who rescues like that costly the stranger naked with nothing to offer dying paul is willing to say in our sins we're already dead in our transgressions but god in his rich mercy with which he loved us made us alive in christ that god is the one who identifies with the stranger and loves the stranger jesus asks him the question, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. It's an amazing thing to have been shown mercy and to know that mercy. The priest and the Levites offered animals for the forgiveness of human sin day in and day out in the temple. And yet the priests and the Levites in this story missed the mercy that was shown 
even in that system. And here, Jesus points to a stranger who didn't miss that mercy, but actually responded with mercy. At one point in my life, I thought I was going to work in the outdoors for the rest of my life, so I took this course that's called Wilderness First Responder. I was trained to take care of people that got injured way back in the outdoors. And we had to do some crazy things like rock rescue and bandaging wounds and creating splints out of nothing and all this kind of stuff. For weeks and weeks and weeks, months even after that, I remember carrying with me everywhere I went all the materials necessary to do those rescues. And Mita and I would go out on a date and I had this fanny pack in the back seat that was about this big, ready to rescue anybody that was there. <laughs> he was like, well, what are you doing? I had learned what rescue looked like and I wanted to be ready to rescue. Hospitality is the loving of a stranger and it's defined by the one who shows mercy. Mercy that is costly. Mercy that disrupts your plan for the day. Mercy that you don't know how much it's really going to cost. But the reason you stop is because you know that you have been shown mercy and you know that when you can't meet the need you can at least say come on I can take you to the one who can meet the need and when you can meet the need you say I meet your need because I know the one who has met my need I know this mercy are you a stranger today are you a stranger to God do you know that God identifies with the stranger are you one here today who says, show me that mercy? They say, come and see the God who gave his son for your life. Who showed you mercy unending. And to see here that Jesus says, you have to show mercy. And what will change our hard hearts to do that? But to have received mercy. The lawyer should have known that the law was given to unsettle him and his ability to achieve it and to cry out for mercy. Because those whom have been shown mercy are transformed to show mercy. That's what we need to remember, is that we've been shown mercy. How do we get ready for hospitality? How do you pack your fanny pack? I don't know. We should remind each other of the mercy that we've been shown. We should pray for eyes that see those on whom we can demonstrate mercy. And, and, and we even begin to ask God, let us show mercy 
that upsets our own plans and forces us to rely on you. Because Jesus is the only one who can really set us free. And hospitality reminds you and me that he has done that. And we need him to keep doing that. This table is a table where mercy is shown. As we come and eat it together, let's remember that with Jesus' questions, he gently unwraps your heart that the command of hospitality would lead you and me to cry out mercy, both in need and in answer. Let's pray.